Good morning, Impact Church. How are you doing? Good to see you in the house. If you're visiting with us, we're glad to have you with us on Christmas Eve. What a special day as we get ready to celebrate tomorrow morning the birth of our Savior who come to be the ultimate gift for us, right? And the truest gift of all is a gift of sacrifice, and that's what God did for us. When uh, Romans 5, 8 is my favorite verse, God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us on a cross. But he came and humbly came as a baby in a manger. So that's what Christmas season is all about for me, and I know it's for most of you it's the same thing. So glad to have you here. I know Christy has an important announcement she wants to share, so I'll get Christy up. I've always wanted to be tall, so I'm going to stand up here. After watching the video from last week, I also realized I need to suck in. So, before I make my announcement, if I could really seriously get everybody's attention, that would be amazing because we're getting a lot of questions, and I want to be clear, we are having a dinner tonight from 5 to 7 at the weight room. This dinner is being donated by an anonymous church member who is extremely gracious. It will all be home-cooked food. Um, and it is for anyone that will be alone tonight or just lonely tonight. Um, we just got, want you guys to come out, come join us, and uh, we're going to do some music. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to do some music and just fellowship. So uh, we'd love to have you and anybody else you know. It does not need to be an impact member. I don't care where they come from. If they're going to be lonely or alone, we want them tonight. Five to seven at the weight room. You do not need to RSVP. Just show up and expect to have a good hearty meal. All right, thanks. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Christy. Yes, give a round of applause. It's good to have Christmas spirit. And we have people in our church that want to serve the community. And uh, want to make sure nobody's alone on Christmas Day, right? Um, also, I'm Pastor Tim, by the way, just so if you're visiting and you want to say, who's this strange guy? I'm Pastor Tim, executive pastor here with the church. Um, Brad will be up later on to bring us a powerful message, as he always does. Uh, one couple things is we have candlelight. So if you, we're going to do a little candlelight part of the service at the end. So if you need a candlelight, uh, the ladies over here uh, have candles that they're passing out. I think I got one in my pocket. One of these little candles right here. Make sure you have a candle at the end of service. As you leave, turn in your candlelight and pick up a candy cane on your way out. And my wife has that uh, set up so you can exchange your light for a candy cane. Take that with you. But I think that's our announcements for today. Anything else that you got? All right. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your blessings to us. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Man, what it is to think of our creator. And John chapter 1 talks about the word. The word was with God. The word was... With
so good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning. cleansed, forgiven, and forgotten. You see, this is why Jesus came to earth, to give us that light, so that we would have the same joy and the same love and the same light everywhere we go. And the best news is, this is a light meant for all. It is freely offered. You see, Christmas is more than the warmth of friends and family, more than nostalgia, the gifts, and memories. It is about the greatest gift ever given because a world in darkness has not only seen a great light, no, we have seen the greatest light, and his name is Jesus.
să dă cine crezi. It was not at all what was expected. The anticipated fanfare and trumpets, they thought their salvation would come with great shouts of victory and they would be rescued from their captivity with great might and strength. But it was a quiet night in the fields of Bethlehem. No reason to believe that this night was any birth to keep in water clean and could not enter into the temple to worship. The highest why here inside this stable filled with hay. Why her? She's just an
Thank you, Lord. You have come to make all things new. We were once in darkness, but we have seen a great light. The light of the world, the light of the Lord God has come to be one of us. God, we thank you that through you all is well. God, that we have a hope and a future because of you, Father. And Lord, I pray that as we hear your word today, God, that we'll, we'll see the hope of the season is Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that doesn't have that relationship with you, today will be their day of salvation, God. We thank you that hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Victory has a name, and his name is Jesus. Redemption has a name, and his name is Jesus. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for this opportunity to worship you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can we give Tony and this worship team a big round of applause for, man, just an unbelievable worship and leading us into the presence of the Lord this morning. Man, welcome to Impact Church. Merry Christmas, everybody. How are we doing? Good, man. It's great to see the house of the Lord packed and, and having the real focus and remembering the real reason for the season as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, our Lord, that loved us so much that he came and died and laid down his life so that we can live. Guys, you're not going to receive a better gift than that this Christmas. So welcome to Impact this morning. For those of you that are visiting with us, maybe it's your first time, maybe, uh, maybe somebody drug you here, I don't know, uh, but welcome. We're glad you're here, and uh, we believe you're here for a reason and a purpose. First of all, to worship, to hear the message of the Lord today, but then possibly something more. Maybe you're searching for a church home, a place to really get plugged in, a place to belong, a place to, to lock arms with a group of believers and, and call it family, call it home. And you're searching, and you've been shopping and church hopping for a while we pray this is your last stop and your last shop right here today. The Lord would anchor you right here at Impact. We want you here every week. We want to help grow you in the Lord and in his word and disciple your family, your kids, and everybody around you as God's doing an amazing work through this church. And we're just getting started. Of course, we're meeting here now, and uh, the, the Lord's giving us a, a Christmas gift of sort with a building that's being built on 45 acres of land that we have purchased over here in Forest. Uh, some of that you can see over on the side and the board, and I believe we may have a picture to put up on the screen. Uh, the steel is erected, and uh, so this may be the last uh, time that you see it looking in a skeleton form because the, the sides and the roof are to start going up uh, here this week. So, um, yes. And again, this is more than a place to meet. This is a tool to use to reach our community for Christ. Because there's a lot of people that just aren't in church this morning. And we want to reach them. And we want them to have the same message of hope that we're about to hear and give today and every week. So the message of uh, today and the title of today's message that I want to bring to us as we dive into God's word is hope is born. And it's worth the journey to find. Guys, I don't know what you're searching for today. I don't know where you're searching for hope and peace and happiness and purpose. But if you're searching for it in the things of this world, you're always going to be left empty because there's only one place you're going to truly find hope this Christmas. And hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. You know, and we know this season has a, a lot of festivities to go with it. And, and it's so many times it's, it's hard to keep the focus on Christ in a, in a world that's so hustle and bustle and go, go, go. And, 
And we know it is a season of giving, and it's a great example for us to give to others because Christ has given to us. And I hope you have that mindset as you give to others and you make that sacrifice. And uh, we know that, that giving um, financially gets a little harder today maybe than it was 20 years ago, amen? You know, I have this picture here. It kind of, you, you've got this great Christmas holiday spirit, and uh, if you have the picture, the, the Grinch picture. Do you all have that? I don't know if they have that or not to pop up on the screen. So this may be your Christmas spirit, but your bank account's looking back at you like, I don't know about that, right? So, but it is the season of giving, and it, it is a, a season to remember what ultimately Christ has done for us. And when we think about giving gifts and such, man, there's something we do that I just don't really understand. And I don't know about you guys, and that's, that's wrapping the gift, can I just be honest with you? I, I'm challenged with that. I'm challenged more than one way with that. I'm challenged physically with that. You know what I'm saying? I cannot wrap. If I wrap something, it, it looks like, I don't know. It just ain't working. I, I don't, but my wife wraps something, and it's all neat and perfect. And I was like, I just don't get that. Maybe there's a, a, a gene on, on that uh, Y chromosome that just makes you have a, a gift, gift wrapping talent. That's the female chromosome, by the way, for those of you that don't know that. So maybe, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, or the X, the X, sorry, because it's double X. Here I am, man. Come on, man. I'm, I'm forgetting my science up here as I'm preaching. You know, we are in a confused gender society as it is anyway. But anyway, there's just something about on the, on the female that it could just wrap a gift. I cannot do that. It just doesn't work for me. All right. And I don't get it anyway, because when you go to wrap a gift, think about this. And I've done this before to had a, a last minute uh, gift that I, I wrapped and had to bring out. And as soon as I wrap it, it just gets destroyed. So wh where's, the, where's the financial economic sense in that anyway? I don't understand. But guys, we wrap gifts and we do that and present it to somebody for a purpose so that it looks good. And then what's inside is where the real meaning is. But how many of you know that there's decorative gifts? You ever been to stores or maybe you have some at your house that there, there's decorative gifts and they're, they're wrapped up really pretty, like really neat and they look really nice, but they're empty inside. There's nothing inside of them. Guys, I'm going to tell you today that for many people, those that don't have the right focus on Christmas, it's like having a well-wrapped, really pretty present with nothing inside. There's still emptiness in there. And guys, I'm going to tell you more than just during this Christmas season, if we don't have the right real focus, the, the right heart and the right perspective in our life of where we're searching for hope and where we're trying to find hope, we have a life that looks like a really pretty wrapped present. And we're good at doing that, trying to make everything look good on the outside. When deep down inside, we're lonely, we're hurting, and we're empty. But guys, I want to tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. That Christ came to give us life. And what Christ gave when he came was he gives us a gift that keeps on giving. He gives us a gift that's always there, that's never empty inside. Do you have that gift? I mean, seriously, I don't mean do you just know about him. I mean, do you have Christ in your heart? Is he at the center of your life, the center of your being? Is he at the center of your home, the center of your family? More than just this Christmas. Yeah, a great time to reflect on Jesus. But what about next month? What about February? What about next summer? 
Will he be the center and the focus of your life then? Because if he isn't, then you're going to find an emptiness inside that you can't explain, that you'll never find what you're looking for outside of Christ. So Christ came to, to give us this gift, and this is the beautiful part. He's not hard to find. You ever searched for a gift before? And, and this is more common to us now because uh, we, we know we search for many things that just aren't in stock anymore or they're on back order or there's this delay. And so you really want to find this certain present, this certain gift that you want to get for somebody, but you can't find it anywhere. Guys, I want to tell you that Christ isn't like that because his promise is when you seek me, you will find me. And that's a guarantee. So, it gives us hope today to know that when we finally get the right perspective, the right focus this Christmas and in our life, that we will find exactly what we're looking for in Jesus. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus, and he's a guaranteed gift this Christmas. But the question is, will you find him? Let me pray for us before we dive in a little deeper. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, the gift of your son, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, where he came and lived a perfect life because he is God. And Lord, he was tempted in every way, but yet he did not sin. And Lord, therefore, he, because he's God and because there was no sin in him, he could be the perfect sacrifice, ultimately, to lay down his life for forgiveness of our sin. And Lord, that's why he came. Lord, was to be a living sacrifice because he loved us so much that he wanted to take our place. So Lord, we praise you for that gift this Christmas. And Lord, I pray, Father, as we're all here and we're seated here and, and, and we're here to, to, to worship you, to, to have a focus on you, Lord, I pray that this would last longer than this service. I pray that this would be a meaning, Father, through your word today that would last longer than the parking lot, that would last longer than Christmas Eve, that it would last longer than Christmas Day, Father, that this would be a, a start of a new birth, Father, in us a new hope. Maybe there's somebody here, and Father, they've never surrendered their life to you, and they're searching for hope. Lord, would you meet them right where they're at today? Lord, would you give them the hope, purpose, and power, Father, that only you can give? Because, Lord, you have a gift in Jesus that's never empty. And, Lord, I pray that you would move in us through your word today, Lord, as we remember the real focus of Christmas and that hope is born. We give you praise for everything that you're about to do in our lives, in our families, and in this church, and in this community. You get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're happy of having to have a copy of God's Word, you can turn with me to the book of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter 2, and we're going to start out by reading the Christmas story, a story that I know we're all familiar with, and I hope a story that as you wake up tomorrow, you read to your family again to remember the focus as gifts are given. But, you know, we've used this word hope a couple times, and I just want to ask the question is, well, what is hope? I mean, when you really think about it, what is hope? I played uh, football at James Madison University, who lost yesterday, but anyway, um, many moons ago I played there, and I remember sitting in a, in a meeting room with a, a bunch of uh, uh, players, my teammates, and a coach up front, the head coach, 
And he said this, and, I, and it's always stuck, stuck with me, especially when we get the real meaning of hope like we're going to see today. And he said this, he said, if you have excrement in one hand, and he chose another word for that that we're not going to say in church. <laughs> but if you have excrement in one hand and you have hope in the other, he said, you have the same thing. I want you to think about that for just a minute. And his point was that we could hope to win a championship here down the road at the end of this season. But if we don't put the work and the effort and the focus in that it takes to achieve that, we can hope all we want and it never come to pass. And you know, I got to thinking about that here this past week is, is that is the definition of worldly hope. You know, worldly hope is nothing more than a wish with no control, isn't it? It's a wish. It's a hope. Like, I, I hope I get this for Christmas. I hope my team wins the Super Bowl this year. I hope 2024 is better than 2023. You know, there's a wish in worldly hope. But there's a difference in godly hope. Can I just tell you that? Godly hope in Christ is not a wish, guys. That's why it's so important that we understand that the hope of the Christian faith is not a wish. And it's not something that's without control. It's something that is anchored in Jesus, the God-man who is standing in victory. And your hope is guaranteed in Jesus. So I don't know what you're wishing for. I don't know what you're hoping for. But if it's in the things of this world, they're going to leave you empty. But if your hope is in Jesus, his promise is to never leave you or forsake you. To stick closer to you than a brother. Yeah, it doesn't mean everything's going to be well in life. And, but his promise is that in the midst of the storm, you'll find a peace that the world can't give. Just like the eye in the center of a hurricane where the storm and chaos is all around. But in the sweet spot of the center is a calm and a period of rest. That's what Jesus wants you to have in him. And that's why he came. So hope in Christ has all control in the hands of a providential, sovereign, all-powerful God. I don't know about you, but I want to promise in him like that this Christmas. Let's read this story now that we have a picture of what we're reading. Because what we're going to see is we're going to see a, a group of, of people in the different passages we're going to read today that all went to seek Jesus. That all saw Jesus and went to seek him. So let's look at this. We're going to start in Luke. And we're going to read the Christmas story that's so familiar. And we're going to see a group of people first, the shepherds who went to seek him. And to set this stage, this isn't just the first time these shepherds have heard. You see, these shepherds had, had heard the messages of the Old Testament. They had heard the prophecies that there was to come a Messiah, that there was to, to, to come the, the Son of God, that he would be a sacrifice and give life and hope to his people. So they had heard this probably their whole life. And so now on this stage, in this scene, we see angels come to them. And then everything that they had heard of was now in front of them. And how they responded is how we should respond as well. And I want you to think about this. When you think of prophecies of the Old Testament, and a lot of people just read the Old Testament and like, oh, that's cool, that's good stuff. But did you know that the prophecies of the Old Testament were written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. 
And guys, Jesus in his life, by coming and living, by uh, part of the story we're going to read today, just by being born of a virgin, born in a manger, born in Bethlehem, all fulfilled and was written about hundreds of years before he was even born. How do you do that? It's because this is more than words on a page, guys. This is the very words of God written down. Man could have not known in his own intellect or even by guess or or random chance that a savior would be born and put that down on paper with the exact precise specifications that all through the Old Testament was given about Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled over 300 of those prophecies. And one world-class mathematician, Peter Stoner, and you might have heard this, went to, to, to figure out what's the probability of him just fulfilling eight of those prophecies. In other words, what if people hundreds of years ago just writ, wrote something down and by lucky guess, somebody fulfilled just eight of those things they wrote? Do you know what the chance of that happening is? One in 10 to the 17th power. All right, if I put 10 names in a hat and we shake them up and you pick one out, What's your chances of, uh, of picking out the name you want? It's one in 10, okay? One, to the, one in 10 to the 17th power, let's put this in perspective now. It's like you take silver dollars with this number, and that those amount of silver dollars would fill up the entire state of Texas two feet high with silver dollars. And then you marked one, and you blindfolded someone and said, you can go out as far or as little as you please, but I want you to go out and you have to bend over and pick up one silver dollar. That's the chance in the entire state of Texas filled two feet deep with silver dollars that they would fill out, pick out the one that you marked. Guys, that's the chance that what these prophets wrote in prophecy was not God-breathed and specific, that it was just chance. Guys, I don't know what you're gambling your life on, but I wouldn't gamble with Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh, and he is a guaranteed hope. So these shepherds that we're about to read about here knew of these prophecies. So let's read chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. So then it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Boy, that sounds like hope to me, does it you? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. Did you hear that? They knew that it was coming, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by them, the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Guys, we see immediately that the shepherds, when hearing of Christ, went to seek him. I wonder how many of us have heard this message of Jesus many times before, but have still went back to search for hope and purpose in the things of this world. And maybe you've done that like I had at one time in my life, and you've found nothing but emptiness. And here it is that the message in front of us today for the opportunity of real hope to be sought out, to be found, because it's a message of great joy to all people for those who find a life in Christ. I think of Isaiah chapter 9, just thinking about some of these prophecies, just to, to read one. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah there is talking about the captivity of God's people, the Israelites. Get this, guys, 100 years before they will be brought into captivity. He is foreshadowing that a God's people living in darkness because of their sin, because of them not even wanting to seek God, to not fall down in obedience to the Lord and live for him. And he foresaw this darkness. But praise God, maybe you feel like in some ways that you've rejected God and as such you're walking in darkness today. But I want you to hear this message of hope. And this is verse 6 of the same chapter. So after Isaiah prophesied of God's people walking in darkness 100 years before they did, he also prophesied some 600 years before Jesus was born that he would be born and hope would be given. Listen to this in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Guys, today, that prophecy was again written 600 years before Jesus was born, prophesizing of the moment that we just read that he would come and hope would be given to all men. Why? Why would he come? Because he would come to be a sacrifice to us. That he would be led like a lamb to the slaughter, Isaiah 53 would say, and another prophecy of him laying down his life on a cross for the forgiveness of sin. And that's why Jesus came. That's why we celebrate his birth, is because the victory uh, for us over sin was given in his sacrifice, guys. That he came out of love for us. And so because of that, and because he rose from that grave that we celebrate at Easter, and that tomb is empty, we now have a guaranteed hope and victory in Jesus that you will not find apart from him. So the shepherds went immediately to see him. I want to read another account of a, the, a part of this story that you're also familiar with. Let's turn back to the account of Matthew in chapter 2. And in Matthew's account, we get a, a story of some wise men. 
And we're all familiar with wise men because we, we see nativity scenes and we'll see uh, typically three wise men holding their gifts at the manger. And although that's a great depiction uh, of, of the presence of the Magi to come see Jesus, the, the actual um, accuracy of that picture is not um, correct. Because the Magi, the wise men, if you will, did not make it to the manger. They made it to see Jesus, but their journey was so long, it took them years to get there. I want you to think about that. So the shepherds were nearby so they could become immediate. But some other people heard this here, and their journey was going to take some effort. It was going to take some sacrifice. Let's read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, as we see how these wise men came to seek him. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Again, right there, another prophecy from the Old Testament. It says, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And that word there, child, is the Greek word for toddler. That's how we know this was a long journey that it took them. He was no longer a babe in a manger, and he was in the house now. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, see that? Not a manger anymore. They saw the young child again, toddler, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Guys, today we're going to get the meat of our message right here, and that is we see Three different sets of people who heard about the coming of Jesus and each responded differently. You see, we see the wise men. And again, we don't really know how many. Typically, you'll see three because of the three gifts that's listed here in this passage that they brought. But there could have been more. But that is not really important. The importance is one thing is clear. They came a long way on their journey to see Jesus. It took sacrifice, it took time, it took effort, it took giving for them to come and find Christ. Guys, and that message is for us today. When we hear of the birth of a Savior, when we hear of Jesus, are we willing to make the sacrifice to make the journey to him? And again, that journey is just one step to find him. You don't have to search for Jesus. When you seek him, you will find him. He's right there. But the question is, will you sacrifice? These wise men had to give up something to go and search out this Savior, this hope that was born. So now, 
in the journey of the church. Guys, we see a level of sacrifice and a heart in these wise men that you and I need to ask for, need to have. Are we willing to make the sacrifice to take the journey for Christ? So many times, you and I, that we get caught up in, in, in our, our selfish ways, and we seek a, a life of, of selfishness instead of selflessness. We seek a life of convenience instead of a life of sacrifice. And if we're not careful, that can lead over into our faith and our expectations of our walk with the Lord. And even so many times, we box up, don't we? Things is a matter of inside our box called life is full and make sure that it has no substance. We see people in this passage here, one of which was Herod, who had, had this wrong perspective. You see, he had a perspective of self. He had a perspective of power in the things of this world. And what it did is it led him to an unsettled spirit. Did you see that? It troubled him. The birth of Christ, the presence of Jesus troubled him. Why? Because he had a self-focused existence. He had a focus of power in the things of this world, and he didn't want to let another king intrude on that. Herod had the attitude that there was only room for one king in town, and he wanted to be the king. Today, a lot of people live an unsettled life, and they fight against the thought of making Jesus Lord of their life because they want to be king of their own life, like Herod did. That there's not room for another king in their life, and they want to be rulers over their self and their own existence, and they don't want and trust to know that Jesus has their best life in mind. That Jesus said, there's a thief, there's an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life, but I've come to give you life and give it to the full. And his promise in Matthew 16, 24 through 26, and he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's a level of sacrifice that we just talked about. Because he says this, if you're going to try to save your own life, you're going to lose it. That's if you're going to live a life of selfish existence and just try to do things for yourself, you're actually not going to find what you're looking for. But he said, if you'll lose your life for my sake, then you'll find it. Guys, if you want to find what you're truly looking for in life, you're not going to find it by living for yourself or the things of this world. It's only going to be found in Jesus. Herod missed that opportunity because he had the wrong focus. He had the wrong perspective in life. Don't let that be you. Many today want a savior that they can rule over instead of one we allow to rule over us who gave us life, the very author of, of who you are. He knew you before you were born, and he created your inmost being, and he sets you apart, and he wants you to live for a purpose that you're only going to find in him. Will you do that today? Another thing that we see in Herod here is not just his attitude, just his selfishness, but we see him use words that seemed like his heart was different. He used the right words. He used the Christmas words. Did you see that? He said, when you find him, come bring word back to me so that I could worship him too. Guys, is that what Herod wanted to do? No. He wanted to get rid of him. You see, guys, so many times people have the words of Christmas, but not the true heart of Christmas. We talk about Jesus, but is our heart focused about Jesus? What's our motive? What's our intent? The other thing we see here is that because of Herod's heart that wasn't right and truly wanting to seek Christ, that other people were affected negatively because he didn't want to make Jesus king. Guys, today, if we don't make Jesus king in our own life, yes, it will affect our life just like it did Herod's. 
and it will make us have a troubled life. But if you see in this passage, it also troubled other people in that area around him. Guys, if you and I won't make Jesus king, won't make him Lord, then other people around us will be affected. How about our family, our kids? How about our society, our community that we live in? We see the example of this in a nation that, that doesn't want to make Jesus Lord and make him king, that, that trouble follows. So it falls back on our priorities and our perspective. It is our priority and in our perspective this Christmas on Jesus. Is it? Because it makes all the difference. And we see another group of people and the religious leaders in this passage that we just read that read some scripture. And these religious leaders here quoted scripture, but they never made the trip to seek the Savior. I want you to think about that. They knew of the, of the prophecies. They knew that he was coming. And they knew now that he was here, that he was born. And now, even though they quoted the scripture, they didn't make the sacrifice to seek him. So what does that tell us? Guys, you can have religion without a relationship. And that's exactly what these religious leaders had. They had the rituals. They, they, they were the people that would go to church, but they wouldn't seek Jesus with their heart. Guys, I'm going to tell you, going to church is great, and I hope you come here every single Sunday and you get in line with people and all this, that, and the other. But I want to tell you right now, you can walk out the doors of a church every single Sunday of your life, and if your heart doesn't truly surrender and know Jesus, you're lost. These religious people were lost. They knew the word. They knew the Savior was there, but they didn't want to seek him for a relationship. How about you? The God of all creation, the one who made you, loves you, knows you, wants a relationship with you. I want you to think about that for just a minute. But so often we get caught up in this race, this celebration of things in Christmas. And we miss the focus of a relationship that God wants for us. And we think it's enough to just take a brief moment just to, to see a nativity scene or, or, or say the name Jesus like Herod did, but not have the heart that really wants to seek him. If we do that, there'll still be an emptiness with no hope, no peace, no purpose, and no power. Your season, your Christmas season will be maybe full of activities, full of celebration. It may be full of religious activity but it'll still be the empty, wrapped, pretty box with nothing inside because you missed the real meaning, and that's to have your heart seek Jesus. Will you do that this Christmas? Here's the question to ask. What's your priority, and what is your perspective? Because it'll make all the difference, not just in Christmas, but in your life for weeks and months to come. These wise men had heard of, of, of the people in the past because they had had people before them like Daniel. You remember the story of Daniel, of Daniel in the lion's den? Daniel at one point was, was head over these uh, uh, leaders here, these, these magi, these wise men. And what did Daniel do? He made a stand for the Lord in the face of evil. When it was told that he couldn't pray to God anymore, that he still threw open the windows over the city and he prayed aloud. And because of that, he was sent to a lion's den. But guys, God protected him and shut the mouth of the lions. It's a perfect example of how when we're in Christ that we have this guaranteed hope, but we don't have to live in fear that God is with us even through hard times in life. 
So these wise men had known this story. They had heard of the example that Daniel had set, and they wanted to come seek the Lord for themselves. You may know people that, that are trying to tell you and witness to you and say, man, you, man, you got to come to the Lord. Man, you know, look what he's done for me. I can only tell you what God's done for me. And you've heard all these testimonies. Here's the question. Will you go seek him like the wise men did to have an experience for yourself? You see, the Bible says in Psalms 34, verse 8, it says that, Taste and see that the Lord is good. It says, blessed is the man who finds refuge or puts his trust in him. Where are you putting your trust? Where are you putting and searching for hope right now? Is your hope in relationships? Is your hope in money and status? Is your hope in science? Is your hope in government? I'm going to tell you, if that's where you're putting your hope and trust right now, you're going to continuously have an empty box called life. But if you put your hope and trust in Jesus, he's a guaranteed hope. And it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want you to think about that. How many of you guys like those little Reese's Christmas trees they put out around this time of year? And then Easter, they have the eggs and all that kind of stuff. Man, I love those things. And I don't know if you do or not. You might not like them, but just for a minute, just pretend you do, Okay. Because, and let's say you never had one before, and I had one of those up here, and I was eating it, and you saw me, and, and, and I was opening that package, man, and I started eating that stuff, and you heard me smacking my lips like, mmm, you know what I'm saying? And I was like making like these noise like, mmm, that's good. And maybe I kind of blew some of the scent out over you, and you could smell it even. So you start to smell it, and you see how good it is that I'm eating this Reese's Christmas tree. But will you ever know how good it is unless you what? Taste it for yourself. Guys, that's what Jesus is saying to you today. You can hear somebody else's account. You can see what God's done for somebody else. You can even smell the, the presence of the Lord in so many times. But until you come and you truly surrender your heart and life to him, you'll never taste and see that the Lord is good. Will you taste for yourself today the goodness of Jesus? I don't know where you're at, and I don't know where you're searching for hope, but it's only in Christ. Taste and see that he is good. Guys, what comes after Christmas? Right here, New Year's. What are we getting ready to celebrate next, next weekend? It's New Year's. Guys, what we see right here today in these wise men is a perspective and a priority that leads them to something. Read the last passage of here as we get ready to close this up this last verse when you see this verse of this passage of the wise men that we just read in this account in verse 12 it says then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to herod they departed for their own country another way guys they had their own experience with god because their perspective and their focus and their sacrifice was to seek god and God gave them direction. Guys, there's a lot of people today, and maybe you're here, and you're seeking direction from God. You want to know that you're in the center of God's will, and you want the answers to maybe something that you're looking for. Maybe you're hoping for a, a better tomorrow in 2024, and you need God's direction in a situation in your marriage, in your life, in your job, in your finances, with your health, whatever it is. I want to tell you, if you'll come seek Jesus fully, and you will surrender your heart to him, just like these wise men, you will get the direction from God that you're looking for. You see, the, the, the thing that you can take home if you're taking any notes at all is a right priority and a right perspective lead to a right position. 
Guys, when we come to New Year's, everybody wants a new beginning. They want a new direction, a new place to be where, where next year was better than the year before. Guys, that's the direction that God wants to give to you Will you seek him. And it comes from a, a life of worship. And we see this in these wise men. That their worship was a, a worship of sacrifice. It wasn't just a worship of their lips and their talk. We saw that in Herod. It was just talk, but not a heart that was behind it. Jesus even said uh, of people that would worship him in his day when he's walking, said, the praise of these people, of these praise of me is on these people's lips, but their hearts are far from me. Guys, you can praise Jesus with song and praise him with your lips, but if your heart's far from him, then you're lost and you still have an empty, beautifully wrapped box. Christ came to give you different. I close with one last example of somebody who came to seek the Lord, who spent his life waiting for the birth of the Messiah. And if you go back to Luke chapter 2 in the passage of the Christmas story that we read, a few verses later, there's a few verses that tell about this guy named Simeon. And in verse 25 through 32, I want to read to you Simeon in his account as he longed for the birth of Jesus. It says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning he was waiting for Jesus to come, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples and the light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Guys, did you hear Simeon's joy? Did you hear Simeon's purpose? I have seen, my eyes have seen your salvation. Guys, I'm gonna tell you today, I don't know what you're living for and I don't know what the purpose for is your life and I don't know what you feel like right now that if you accomplish, your life will be complete. But I promise you, if we're not like Simeon and we don't first seek to see the joy of his salvation in our own life, our life will not be worth meaning. And we'll have an empty box that's beautifully wrapped with nothing inside. Simeon sought the presence of a Savior, and that was the only thing that mattered above everything else in his life. How about you? Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and bear a son and will call his name Emmanuel. Guys, Emmanuel means God with us. Is God with you today? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Do you walk with him? Do you trust in him with all your heart? You have the opportunity of a savior, of everything you're looking for, to be with you and to give you purpose that this world can't give. In closing, I'll look at 1 Peter 1.3, this last passage we read. It says, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. Somebody say new birth. new birth. Into a living hope. Somebody say living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. Somebody say inheritance. inheritance. That can never perish, spoil, or fade. 
This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded. Somebody say shielded. By God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Guys, we're in the fourth quarter, and I want you to hear the message of hope of everything we've talked about right here in this verse. It wraps it all tight. That we're looking for a new birth, a new direction, a new beginning, a new 2024, a new perspective, a new priority, because we want some to be in the right position. God wants to give us that. This verse said that we're, because of Christ, we are birthed in, in his resurrection. That means he stood in victory over all hell, hell, death, and the grave. That we have a living hope. That's that guaranteed hope that we talked about. It's not a wish anymore. It's a guaranteed deliverance in Jesus. You have guaranteed victory in him. And then it says that there's an inheritance, that there's something that we gain by a life in Christ. And that's a life of purpose. That's a life of eternal life in heaven with forgiveness of sin, with everything canceled out that we've ever done wrong before God, that his blood covers us because of his sacrifice. And we have an inheritance to live and walk with him. And we're shielded. That means we're protected with God's power. Guys, I don't know about you, but when you look at a new birth, a living hope, an inheritance, and shielded by the power of God, I don't know about you, but this world has nothing compared to that. What are you searching for this Christmas? Hope is in a person. His name is Jesus. He stands in victory. This first time, he came like a lamb to be led to the slaughter for the sacrifice because he loved you so much. But did you know he's coming back a second time? The only prophecies that Jesus hasn't fulfilled yet are the prophecies of his second coming, that he's coming. And in a moment, there's going to be the sound of a trumpet. And he's going to call his church home. That's the, the ones who have put their faith in Christ. Are you going when he comes? Are you ready to meet Jesus? If that trumpet were to sound today, would you be with Christ or would you be left behind and left here? We're all familiar with the story on Christmas Eve, and maybe some of you read it to your families at home tonight. But I want to read to you a story of the, twas the night before Christmas, and it's called, Twas the Night Before Jesus Came. It says, Twas the night before Jesus came, and all through the house, not a creature was praying, not one in the house. The Bibles were laying on the shelf without care and thoughts that Jesus would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing ahead. And mom in her rocker with baby on her lap was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there arose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash tore open the shutters and threw up the sash when what to my wondering eyes should appear but angels proclaiming that jesus was here with a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray i knew in a moment this must be the day the light of his face made me cover my head it was jesus returning just like he said and though i possessed worldly wisdom and wealth I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. In the book of life, which he held in his hand, was written the name of every saved child and man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name. When he said, it's not here, my head hung in shame. 
that people whose names had been written with love, he gathered to take to his father above. With those who were ready, he rose without a sound while all the rest were left standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I had waited too long and this sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if I only had been ready tonight. And the, if the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Jesus is drawing near. There's only one life. And when comes the last call, we'll find that the Bible was true after all. What really matters to you right now, this Christmas? Are you just celebrating his name with words from your mouth? Or are you going to celebrate his name with the life and the heart at the core of your being? Seek Jesus. Don't miss Jesus this Christmas. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Has what you heard about him today wanting to make you draw close to him now? If you were that shepherd in the field, if you were that wise man from what you've just heard, would you come and say, I want to promise and I want to live my life like that? Lord, I need you. Would you come and do that today? You see, it's not going to take you a day's journey. It's going to take you a moment, one step. I don't care how far you think you've run from Jesus. You may feel like you're 200,000 miles away. I'm going to tell you, no matter how far you think you've ran, it's only one step back to him today. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. What that tells me and what that should tell you is you don't have to get your life right first to come to Jesus. You just surrender to him right now through faith and, and come to him and he does the work of cleaning your life up. You keep that right perspective, that right priority, and he will give you the right position in Christ. Would you surrender to his guaranteed hope that he offers you today? It'll be the greatest gift you'll ever receive. And I'm going to tell you, just like a gift here at Christmas time, and if you remember parents and, 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 and maybe teenagers and those of you who used to get excited on Christmas morning, and you would always wake up early and run to the tree to send, pick out the presents with your name on it. Do you remember that? And you would look at those and you would shake them and you would in great anticipation because you know somebody loved you so much that they found something that you wanted so bad and they put your name on it and it was yours. And you run to the tree in great anticipation for that moment to find what you were looking for. Guys, today Jesus has given you that at the foot of the cross. What if I told you that I had a gift up here with your name on it? And inside this box, inside this wrapped present, was something that you and maybe your family had been searching for for a long time. And you couldn't find it anywhere. And what if I told you today that I have it up here with your name on it? Would you dare walk out of this place without taking that gift? You know you wouldn't. Because Jesus is offering you everything you've been looking for 
right here today at the foot of the cross. He has done it all. He loves you, he knows you, and he wants to give you a new direction right now and into 2024. I don't know about you, but he has guaranteed a living hope for you, an inheritance, and to be shielded by the power of God and a guarantee that will never be taken away in him. Don't walk out of here without receiving that gift. I'm going to offer you this opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus right now, right here in this place, right here where you're sitting right now. And if you're ready to do that, I want you to, to repeat this prayer after me, but know that it's not a magic prayer. It's not the words that save you. It's your heart that you believe in are justified, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. So right now with a heart that's ready to seek Jesus, to surrender all, would you do business with God right now for the first time? Or maybe you need to come running back to the Lord today and rededicate your life. You might say, Brad, I've been running like the prodigal son, man, and I've been drifting away, but I want to come running back to Jesus today right now for the first time or to rededicate your life. Do business with God right now. Today will be the best gift that you've ever received. It'll be the best gift that you could ever give your family right now. Just say, dear God, I admit to you that I've just, I've messed up. I've been living for myself, for the things of this world, and it's separated me from you. And Lord, I'm tired of running. And I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. And Lord, I surrender. And I repent of my sin and I want to turn to you. Thank you for sending Jesus, God in the flesh, the spotless lamb, this body was broken and his blood was shed that I could be forgiven. And that I could not only be forgiven from the penalty of my sin, I could be delivered from the bondage of my sin. That means I could be set free in Christ. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. And Lord, thank you for raising from the grave three days later, proving that you are God. And Lord, because of that, that now we can have a guaranteed living hope. And we can have guaranteed victory, even over the things that are circumstances and things in life that tear us apart and tear us down. Lord, we still have victory in you, and it can never be taken away. And Lord, my commitment to you is from this day forward, Every step I take, every breath I make, I want to be for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your son. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. And Lord, thank you for the hope that I can have guaranteed in Jesus. Amen. If you did business with God right now, right here today, and you surrendered your life to him for the first time or you rededicated your life, I want you right now, I want to pray for you. I want to lift you up to the Lord. I want you boldly and unashamed to raise your hand. Say, Brad, I did business with Jesus and I'm not ashamed for the first time or I rededicated my life to him right now. Just raise your hand all over this place. And if I don't see you, the Lord does. And guys, we're going to close our service like we do every week here at Impact. And I'm just going to offer you the opportunity to do business with the Lord or whatever he's doing in your heart. Maybe you made a decision for Jesus today. Maybe you need prayer. There'll be pastors up here. We'd love to, to pray with you and over you. Whatever that may be, maybe you need prayer over a loved one that's lost. Maybe you need prayer over a situation in your life, relationships, financial, health, whatever it is. Maybe you need to come forward and just pray about joining this church. But right now, let's stand to our feet. Let's sing with all our heart, with all our voice, and let's come right now as the Lord leads. Whatever it is.